Kings chapter 2. What is probably the greatest cluster of scriptures in the New Testament. Paul says this in verse 8. For by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Come on. For good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Heavenly Father, your spirit is here. You move more powerfully in ways and in moments when we feel like you would be absent. None of this matters. AC units don't matter. Lights don't matter. None of what matters is that we've decided to come into your presence and you've met us. So it's in these moments, God, that I would pray that you would reveal yourself to the people who have come thirsty to the fountain of life, to those who come boldly to the throne of grace, seeking help from on high. We ask that you would speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, put your hands together. You may be seated. You may be seated. You know, last week, uh, it was my birthday. Come on. Last Sunday was my birthday, and um, I didn't want anyone to know about it because I felt old. Turned 40. Ooh, watch your mouth. Felt old. I don't know what it is about the number four, zero, but that thing scared me for years and years and years. Uh, last week I was so surprised, grateful for the church and for everyone who decided to try and make my day a good one. It was weird because although I was trying to hide that I was turning 40 and feeling old, I, I have been doing old things lately. Old people things. Like getting up out of bed and my back hurts for no reason. Stepping onto the floor and my feet hurt for no reason. Garage sailing. I'm not even going to joke. A couple weeks ago, um, there was a neighborhood garage sale. Anybody know and have heard of neighborhood garage sales? It was an incredible, huge garage sale. And my dad was always the guy at 6 in the morning at these garage sales trying to get the best deals on people's junk. And he always would tell me, like, I got this for a dollar. I got this for 75 cents. And look what I found. And he would be so excited about what he found in the garage sale because to him, it was beautiful. To him, it had such great value. And he got it at a little minuscule price. And so he was celebrating the fact that he had discovered these, these great things. And uh, I, I started watching a show not too long ago that is about garage selling and finding, like, valuable things at garage sales. And slowly I started getting tempted by this because I saw that people were going into garage sales and they were finding these great pieces of art, these masterpieces. They, they, they were finding these, these treasures that people were just giving away. And they would go to these 
pawn shops and they would go to these, these antique shows and they would show them what they found and the person would say, do you know what you have? This is worth so much. And they would get so excited, not just at how much it's worth, but how much they got it for. This is worth $10,000. I only paid $5. I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm going to make so much money off of this. And, and, and I started to get really intrigued by this. I wanted to be that guy that found that thing, that made some money. And I started, you know, listening to Gary Vee a little bit too much about how, you know, I don't know if you don't know who Gary Vaynerchuk is. He cusses a little bit. But he does garage selling. And he goes into garage sales and he finds plush toys and he sells them on eBay. And he finds little matchbox cars and he sells them on eBay and he makes tons of money. And I was like, I was driving by this garage sale and I was getting the itch. I'll tell you why I was getting the itch. Because the day before I had seen this, uh, this show where this person found this incredible piece of art by this, um, by this painter and it was worth almost half a million dollars and it was sitting in the garage sale for five bucks. And I drove by this garage sale and they had a bunch of paintings out. That old man started creeping in. I said, I'm ready to go get a cup of coffee, get in my slides and start walking all over this neighborhood trying to find these hidden gems, these masterpieces, these works of art that are hidden in these garage sales and maybe I can get them at a discount. Funny thing is, is as I was studying for Ephesians, I was reminded about this verse in verse 10 that talks about how you and I are masterpieces. And this scripture that we're about to read, Paul wants you to understand just how Beautiful you are to God. And so he unravels the beauty of salvation and grace and the power of it and what God has done. And he says, you and me are masterpieces. Whether we believe it or not, you and me are those hidden gems amongst the garbage that we feel that we belong to. But really, we are God's children. He purchased us. He paid the price, and we are considered masterpieces. And Paul wants you and I to understand that that's how God works. That God isn't looking for perfect people. He is looking for people that he can create into masterpieces, into beautiful works of art. The Bible opens up this, these two verses and Paul wants us to recognize our value. And maybe you've walked in here and you have a low sense of your value. Maybe you've walked in here and you have a very low sense of importance because of the things that you have done, the struggles that you go through, the, the failures that you face. And yet the Bible wants us to recognize that despite those failures, we serve a God who calls us his masterpieces. And this is what he says in verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. We talked about this last week, how important it is for you and I to understand how we are saved. We are not saved by works, it says. It says we are saved by God's grace and God's grace alone, meaning that he gives it to us as a gift, even though we don't deserve it. And he says how we access this salvation is simply by 
faith, simply you believing in Jesus, opens up the door for you to be saved. And I know you don't believe that. I know you've heard other people teach you much different things. But I just want to just make sure that you understand what the Bible says and not what some preacher told you, not what some person at your youth group told you. But what Paul says is our doorway to salvation is our belief in Jesus. And the moment you believed in Jesus, it could have been at 10 years old, 12 years old, 15 years old, that moment you were saved and it could not be changed by anything that happens afterwards. Because grace comes in and covers all of our sins, all of our struggles so that we don't lose our salvation. Because of the, the, the faith that we have, we receive it. Basically telling us this, you can't work to get it. Your good works don't give it to you, so your bad works can't take them away. He says, for grace, by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. The reason we struggle with understanding that salvation is a gift is because most of us, we think that God gives us wages and that God doesn't give us gifts. I don't think you got that. Most of us, we truly believe that what God does in our relationship with him is that he gives us wages and not gifts. Wages meaning things that you earn. When you go to work, you punch in, you punch out, you get paid based on what you've done. And most of us, we think that our salvation, the good things that we receive in life, the blessings, any of anything that God has promised us, all of that is primarily given to us because we've earned them. And Paul says, you can't earn them. They are a gift from God. And some of you have been trying to repay God back for something that he has already given you as a gift. It's not something that's been for sale or bartered or put on layaway. God has given it to you freely by his grace. You don't have to give him anything for it. Your good works didn't earn it. Your good works don't keep him in your hands. He's telling us over and over again, nothing that I give you is something that you earn. It's not the result of works. And I love this, verse 9, so that, so that no one will boast. We're going to break this down, and I know, look, it's hot. I think I'm going to take off this jacket. because we don't. Okay, we don't got AC, but I'm going to take off this jacket because I, I think I'm here, Gary. It says, it is the gift of God, not a result of works. Here's what I want to tell you really quick. Works don't work. Works don't work. If you're trying to earn the gift, it's no longer a gift. If we could earn it, deserve it, it also means that we could also lose it. And if we can lose it, if there was a possibility that we could lose the gift of salvation, then each and every one of us would lose it because we fall every day. We make mistakes every single day. And the Bible makes it really clear that for us to enter into heaven, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5. It says, he says this, you want to enter into heaven, be perfect. That's what he says. You want to get into heaven, here's the standard. 
perfection. He said, God says, be holy as I am holy. Be perfect as I am perfect. That's the standard. The standard is perfection. It's not that you would be, I'll say it like this. God is saying you need to be sinless, not just sinless. God is saying you have to be sinless, not just sin a little less. That's, that is the standard for heaven. And if we're honest, then none of us can get there. None of us deserve it. None of us, by the things that we do, the things that we accomplish, the good things that we do in this life, can get it because we still sin. And if we sin, we are not sinless, so we don't get it. So God had to come into our lives and into existence and give us salvation because salvation cannot be a result of works. So Paul says, works don't work. So stop trying. Works don't work. So stop trying. And most of us in here, we're trying really hard. We're trying really hard to please God. And yes, you should, you, you should, the Bible says, lay down your life daily. You should take up your cross and follow him. But that is discipleship. That is the, the word, the biblical word, the theological word, sanctification. Your walk with Jesus. That's after salvation. That's not what gets you saved, your justification. Your justification comes only by faith. When you believed, you are saved. Everything else, that just determines how closely you walk with him. It does not change whether you actually get to walk with him. So the Bible tells us, for this is not a result of works so that no one would boast. I, I just want to move quickly through this because I want you to understand it. And I'll spend an hour on this verse alone, but I just want to move quickly through it. So that no one would boast. Paul is saying this is the end of boasting. What does this mean? You and I, we are so proud of ourselves. You and I were so proud of what we've done, what we accomplished. We put it on Facebook, put it on Instagram. We tell everybody the things that we've done. That is just naturally who we are. We are proud people. And I want to be completely honest with you. Christians are some of the proudest people on this earth because we want everyone to know everything that we've accomplished. We want everyone to know everything that we have sacrificed. I remember when I first came to Jesus, I was at a campfire. Came back home, gave my life to Jesus. First thing I did was throw away all my screw tapes. First thing I did was throw away all my CDs. I had a whole big binder of CDs. Anybody in here from the 90s know what I'm talking about? You carried around that big old CD packet, and you'd sit there in your car and just start flipping through it, looking up at the traffic, and you're trying to find the right CD. Boys to Men, Mariah Carey, Oasis, Green Day. No, I don't want that right now. Dr. Dre. No, Snoop Dogg. No, I, I gave that. I had to give up my whole thing. All I had was one CD. It was Jeremy Camp, and it was awful. And I said, I can't do this. And I remember my cousin Chris told me, Rob, how did you do it, man? What would you do like the next day? Man, I just told him. I just gave it up, bro. Just threw all my screw tapes away. Threw everything away, everything that was hindering me, like a weight, like it says in Hebrews. I just cast it off. I mean, I was so proud of myself. 
So proud of myself. We are all so proud of the things that we give up, the things that we put away, the things that we, I, I would boast about it all the time. I gave this up. I stopped doing this. And, and don't look at me like you haven't done that before. You don't go around telling people, I stopped drinking. I stopped smoking. I stopped. That's a good thing, but we like to boast. I stopped looking at porn. I stopped doing that thing. This is a good thing. I'm glad you stopped, but we like to boast. We like to tell people the things that we give up. I gave this up. I gave that up. And yes, all of that is fine, but it's not going to change your status of salvation. It's good to change. We need to get better, but none of that results in salvation or else salvation would be of works. And this says it is not a result of works. None of that results in salvation. So maybe the best thing to give up is the idea that giving something up makes God love you more. That was so deep. I don't think you got it. I'm going to say it one more time. Maybe, maybe the best thing to give up is the idea that giving something up makes God love you more. You can't give up enough. You can't do enough for God to love you more than he has already loved you. Maybe the thing that we need to give up doing is give up thinking that we can give things up to please God. It is not possible. He says it is a gift. It is not a result of works. God wants us to stop boasting. Why? Because boasting is a burden. Did you hear me? Boasting is a burden. What do you mean, Ralph? Why, why, do you, why are you saying that boasting is a burden? It's a burden that you lay on yourself because you have to find something to feed your desire to please God every single day. And since we battle sin every single day, the burden never fully lifts. Some of you are heavily burdened, and it's by your own need to have something to boast about. Paul says, so that no one can boast. See, you think that God's primary goal is that you would be an example of your moral goodness and your perfection rather than be a trophy of his grace. You'll never, if you believe that, you'll never be honest about your deepest sins, your struggles, or your secrets ever. If you think that God's deepest desire is for you to be the example of goodness on this earth, then you and I will never be honest about our struggles and our sins because we'll always feel the pressure to pretend to be better than we actually are. Are you hearing me? Because I'm trying to open up your eyes to the reality that you and me, if we have the choice, we will boast about ourselves. We will boast about our works, our goodness all day long. And that is a burden because then we can't be fully seen by others and God and be yet fully loved. So when I say to you that you are, I know you feel the pressure of pretending to be better than you are. And that pressure of putting on a face like you got things together, like you didn't just do something last night that you're ashamed of or on the way here. That pressure is a burden. And he says, if you're used, to, if you want to boast, okay, but that boasting is going to be a burden. So I've made this so that you can't boast. Because then it will be all about me and not about you. And I'm tired. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of faking it. 
I'm tired of putting on cover-up and costumes so that other people will like me. The freedom that is found in Jesus is this, is that once you realize that he fully loves and accepts you, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Here's, here's what I want you to understand. The people that are the most free in this life are those who have the least fear of telling the truth about themselves. And those who are most free to tell the truth about who they are are those who know that at their worst, God loves them the most. That at their worst place in their life, at the deepest levels of that, God unconditionally still loves them even though they sin. This is what God offers you and me. And we don't get to boast. We don't, get, we don't get to stand at, at, in heaven at the doorway and boast about what we did to get there. No, in heaven we will be boasting about what God did for us to get us there, not what we did to deserve it. Paul is telling us this is so that no one would boast. So I think that heaven is for the humble. Even though we're prideful, God humbles us right here. And he humbles us by reminding us how helpless we are at earning this. He's saying, you can't do it. So he wants us to pick up a mirror and see ourselves for who we are. Salvation is not a result of work so that no one will boast. No one will boast. You don't get to boast. I don't get to boast. I want to end here. This is hot. Let's get, let's get, let me get Brandon and everyone up here. You need to leave here with this one thought. Verse 10. So it's not a result of work so that no one will boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand so that we would walk in him. For we are his workmanship. That word, workmanship, in the original language is Poema. Poema. I don't have to tell you what word we get in the English language that comes from that. It's the word poem. Paul says, for you and me, we are his poem. In other words, we're his greatest creation. We're his masterpiece, if you look it up in the Greek. I know that's hard to understand because you don't feel like a masterpiece. I know that's hard to understand because your life doesn't resemble something that belongs in the Louvre. I know that's hard to understand because when you look at your life and you look at where you are right now, it doesn't seem beautiful. Yet right here it says, for we are his workmanship. We are his divine work of art. This word is only used twice in the New Testament. Twice. That's it. 
once here and once in Romans 1.20. Paul is writing in Romans, and he says this, that to the, uh, there's no reason for, the, uh, for there to be any unbelievers. Even if you don't have a Bible, he says, all you have to do is look at God's workmanship, and you will see that there is a God. That's in Romans 1.20. He's saying God's workmanship in the heavens, the stars, the galaxies, the sun, the moon, all of that is God's divine masterpiece. At one moment in time, creation was God's masterpiece. Creation was God's highest and furthest example of his beauty. But Paul now is saying, but it's no longer that. He's saying what was God's beautiful creation then pales in comparison to you and I. He tells us that the existence of God is made evident in the things that he made. Paul says the things that we see in heaven, the stars, all of that, it shows us that he is real, that he is God. He says, you want to know if there's a God, just look up. He says, but you want to see God's beauty at work, just look at each other. Did you hear me? He's saying, you want to see God's beauty, look up. You'll recognize there is an undeniable truth that there is a God who created all things. It's what we believe. It's what we stand for, that God created the heavens and the earth. And all it takes is for us to look up to recognize there is a God in control of it all. That's all you have to do. And yet Paul says, and all you have to do to see beauty, and all you have to do to see a masterpiece, and all you have to do to see God's work in the most beautiful form is not look at heaven heaven anymore but look at yourself look at yourself he says don't just look up to find the beauty because it's impossible to find that now look at yourself Paul says the greatness of God is evident in the creation of all creation you and me you are his work of art you are his work of art. And listen, I need you to understand this. I know you don't feel that way. I remember when I was in seminary and they showed me this verse, I thought in my mind, okay, God's, God's crown jewel, the, the height of his creation, the beauty was Adam and Eve. had to be Adam and Eve. Because they were sinless. They walked with him every day. Every night, John, they were with him. Sinless knowing no sin, walked with God every single, I, that's the beauty. And I remember my professor turned to me and he said this, he said, hey, the masterpiece of God's creation is not sinless man, but sinful man that has been saved by his grace. That's the masterpiece of God's creation. That's the story. The masterpiece of God's creation is sinless, not sinless man, but sinful people like you and me who have been forgiven by Jesus. Sinful men and women like you and me finding eternal security in the hands of our Father because of the hands of Jesus that took the nails in them. Men and women like you and me who continually fail at getting things right, being lavished over and over by the grace of God so that we don't have to live this life trying to get it right. 
Paul says if you want to see God's best work, his masterpiece, don't pick up a telescope, pick up a mirror. It's you, it's me, it's relentlessly how God pursues us, how he lavishes his grace on us. It's not that God came to save us so that we could be better. No, God did not come to make bad people better. He came to make dead people alive and he rose us up and he took our lives and the Bible says he seated us in heavenly places. You are his masterpiece. You're his workmanship. All of your shortcomings, just a stroke of God's hand in the creation of your story, in the creation of of the masterpiece that is your life. And whether you believe it or not, one day, God's gonna stand there. He's gonna say, look at, look at this. I saved them. He struggled, I forgave him. He failed, I gave him grace. She struggled, I showed her mercy. That's the boasting that God wants to happen in heaven. His boasting, not ours. So he says, you're his workmanship. You're his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Don't miss this. You got to get this. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Oh, now we have this feeling of controversy. Because it says that you're not saved by works. You're not saved. But you're saved so you should work. That's what it says. You're not saved by works, but because you're saved, you should work. You should do good things. You should work for God. You should serve. You should. You should be a part of a serve team. You should help the homeless. You should. You should help your neighbor. You should serve in some way. Find a way to help the, the, the church of Jesus Christ. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them I just I gotta I gotta get you with this notice it says we're gonna walk in them not work in them this is not us working for God this is God working in us for people this is God working in us for others it's funny how it says in Ephesians that you're seated in heavenly places. Right, it says that, we've read that multiple times. Right now you doubt everything because of where you're seated right now. Your life, your struggle, your burdens. And yet the Bible says that spiritually he has seated you in heavenly places, but then it says, now you gotta walk in these works. Now you gotta walk in them. It's weird, I'll, I'll give you an illustration. Last week for my birthday, a couple of y'all gave me gift cards. Love gift cards. Was able to go to the store and buy my kids shoes. My kids, their shoes, they weren't fitting, so I went and got, got them some Vans. The Vans store had a like $30 discount on shoes. It was like $10, $15 for shoes for the kids. I was excited. I'm like, I need to find their sizes. I need to get them the shoes that they need. Got them the shoes that they need. I came home, gave them these shoes. They were all running around, having a good time in their new shoes. You know how kids are when they get something new. They all loved it, except Bella. 
Bella's kind of introspective when it comes to gifts. She's just very, she doesn't want to ask for things. She doesn't want you to, 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 to overextend yourself for her. She will do, she would do the most with the least. So I had to keep asking her, are you okay? Do you like your shoes? I love these shoes. Okay, are you sure? Do they fit? Yes, Dad. Don't touch my feet. I'm good. You know us, parents. Come on. Let me see your toe. And if you're, if you're really Mexican, you know what it's like to be like at Wieners or, you know what I'm saying, and you would get those shoes in the, in the rack and they still had the little thing on them and they tell you to walk and you just be like this all the time. Walk. I'm trying. I'm trying. I got the little thing. Don't break it. We're going to have to buy it. So you have to just do. It's like, you got to tell me if it hurts. Well, two day, yesterday, actually. She came up to me with her sock off, and she goes, Dad, my toe is bleeding. I said, why is your toe bleeding? She goes, because my toe keeps, keeps rubbing against the shoe. I said, there's no way. I just got you new shoes. She goes, I know. I don't need new shoes, though. I said, come here. Let me look at your feet. Walk towards me. And as she was walking towards me, she had this little limp, this little painful look on her face and I said let me touch your toe and her toes were at the very end and I said baby why did you tell me that this was happening she goes, I didn't want to you had just bought them I didn't want you to have to go spend any more for me or return them you were driving around trying to get shoes for me I'm good I said baby I, I want to get you shoes that fit perfectly for you so that you can walk so you can run and so you can have fun. It doesn't benefit me to give you something that you can't walk in. This word says that he gave you something. Gave you salvation. And then it says, and then he purposed you for good works. That he planned before even creation happened. He knew you were going to be his. He knew. And so he said, this is the plan that I have for you in your life and what I want you to do. Now walk in it. So the, the Christian life isn't just being seated in heavenly places. It's also walking out our salvation. And so he says, walk in them. And most of us in here, I don't know if we really want to show God how we are in our life, in the struggles because we think that, I don't know, that he may not do anything else for us. He does, he's already done enough. He won't do anything else. And like a loving father will do, he will see you. And he'll get you what you need. I'll say it like this. He's not going to make my mistake and get you the wrong size. His plan for you is perfect. You can slip those things on right now and walk in them. You don't have to be afraid of serving him. You don't have to be afraid about getting out and serving him in ways that you've never done before. He's created a perfect path for you. They fit. It's yours. It's your calling. It's your purpose. There are gifts in you. He's asked you to walk. Now, will you walk in them? I promise you, you won't be like my daughter with blood on your toe. I wish I wouldn't have stepped out. I wish I wouldn't have taken that risk. I wish I wouldn't have given more at church. I wish I wouldn't have done anything else. I should have just stayed in my lane. God made it so that it's perfect. And you can walk in these works. It says he created these works. 
He prepared them so that you would walk in them. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Start walking. Because he saved you. And all he asks is that you would walk. Walk in these gifts. Walk in this purpose. Serve others. Love others. You don't have to come to church to get saved, but you should come to church every week so that you can walk with others, so that you can help other people. Well, my life is kind of messed up. Have you not seen the person that's sitting on your row? Their life might be just as messed up, and they need to hear from you. It's time to walk. And this church, if we're going to do anything significant in the lives of these people, it's not sitting in chairs. It's standing and walking with our neighbors, with our community, believing and trusting that God has perfectly fit us with the purpose that we're supposed to walk in. And here's the deal. I could just say that, drop the mic, and not point you to that purpose, and not point you to what that looks like. But at this church, we have ways. We have a way to connect you to that purpose. We have a way to reveal to you the gifts that are inside of you and how you can use that in the church, how you can use that because God is asking this of you. He doesn't need you to do it so that you can be saved, but he's asking you to do it so that others would. We call it growth track. We call it getting into a small group, which is what we call house church. It's called serving. It's called giving. We need that. We, we lost our AC. It's going to cost us $10,000, $15,000. We don't have it. So we need your help. We need your help to help others, and we need your help to keep this place running. Because this right here is a sign that the enemy does not like what we're doing. He does not want us to spread this freeing message of the grace of God. So I just want to pray for you. Why don't you stand and let me pray for you. Because you need to know that you're his masterpiece. Heavenly Father, we don't feel like it sometimes. The struggles that we face, the secrets that we hide, the cover-up that we use. We're not free because we're still trying to please you. We're still in belief that we have to please you and we're trying to please others. Set us free from that today. Set us free from that by reminding us that we are your masterpiece. That before the heavens and the earth were created, you planned this out for us. You knew us fully and you still created us. You still wove us together in our mother's womb and you still sent Jesus to die for us. And unlike me who was at a garage sale trying to pay the cheapest price for potential masterpieces, you didn't hold back a penny. You paid the highest price. You set the value on our lives by allowing Jesus to be put to death in our place and for our sins. So today we accept our value. We accept what you think of us and not what we think of ourselves. That we're your masterpiece. Now God help us to walk in these works that you want us to work out. Many of us, we, we just, we don't 
know how to serve, know how to give. Would you help us start walking now by reminding us that what you've made for us is perfect. The shoe fits. It's time for us to walk so that we can make a difference in the lives of people in this city. God, remind us this week every day of your grace when we fail, when we fall on our faces. Remind us that your hand is always there to pick us up. We love you, God, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.